the ideas, the leaders, the lives that are shaping Denmark and the world. From Blocks Hub in Copenhagen, Denmark, this is Global Denmark. Welcome back to the Global Denmark podcast, where we explore how thought leaders and innovators are working to create a better Denmark and a better world. Well, guys, we took a look at the concepts of vulnerability, authenticity, balance, with CEO and founder of Good Talks, Pernita Sandberg-Beck. In this wide-ranging conversation, we dive into Pernita's journey from group head of HR and talent development to starting an empowering network that is quickly growing, adding tremendous value for lots and lots of women here in Denmark and abroad. A very, very interesting conversation, and I hope you enjoy. So without further ado, we bring you Pernille Sandberg-Beck. Okay, we are back, and I am here today with our special guest, Miss Pernille Sandberg-Beck. Pernille, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored to be part of this. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so happy we were able to work this out. Uh, for our audience, we were having some technical glitches that uh, we can blame on. I don't know, Pernil, should we blame it on Google or Skype or just the world? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, we, we've got this going now, so I'm really happy. Now, Pernille, I was drawn to your profile and came across your new company, which is called Good Talks. And I, I just want to know, what does it mean to have a good talk for you? What is this all about? For me, it means that you are unglossy, that you are authentic, and you are honest, and that you give. So it's it's about authenticity and giving. Yes, it is. A good talk is the company Good Talks, I think we will talk more about, which is, has have a few more features to it. But to me, I think, in order to have a good talk, you need to be authentic and allow yourself maybe sometimes to be vulnerable, but at least to be honest and real. I am right there with you. I think that a lot of the times and when you really move from that kind of more superficial or even a daily conversation to a moment that feels like a breakthrough, it, it does re- seem to require that extra vulnerability from either one or both parts. Yes. A lot of people think vulnerability means weakness. I totally disagree. And I think it's a new term we have to get used to. I think it's going to be very important. Also, if, when we talk future leadership, uh, that's a term we're going to have to get used to. Uh, absolutely. Now, Pranita, I, I want to dive back into Good Talks later. Yeah. But first, I want to kind of map out your journey, which I think is quite unique. Maybe you could tell us about prior to your time with Felk, what you were doing in terms of your corporate life and Maybe map out the journey for our audience. Yeah. Being a young person, I love to travel. So I lived a year in the States. I lived a year in uh, Croatia and I lived five years in Brussels. And during my traveling and coming back to Denmark and traveling again, I always had the student job at an alarm center for travel insurance. And I loved that job because when you are traveling and something happens and you need somebody in the other end, you know that that person in the other end really has a big meaning on how you're problem Mm. will be solved. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting at this alarm center helping people traveling and uh, in trouble. And I I really, really loved that job. 
So when I was done studying and uh, done traveling, I uh, went to my CEO and asked if I could get a job in human resource. Because during my studying, I also did a year at Rochester University and I studied human resource management. And then it really clicked for me what it was I wanted to do. So I asked for a job within HR and he said, well, I'm sorry, but there are already four people in there. There is no space for you. He says, but we are doing talent management program and I will give you a seat there and maybe to keep you for a year and then let's see what happens. Half a year into this program, he called me in and he said, hey, actually, I let everybody go in the HR department and now the job is yours. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so, uh, so I was sitting there. Survivor. <laughs> so, yeah. And I was sitting there just out of a uh, university and suddenly had to build up this department myself. Doing that for a few months, suddenly we were acquired by our biggest competitors. You know, when you are acquired, most people in the management are being led off because they already have somebody for the seat. I was the only one not being led off because I was pregnant. So that could probably be pretty uh, messy to uh, fire yeah, me at that, uh, at that stage. So I was only working there for about half a year when all this happened. Yeah, then I went on maternity leave. And when I was almost done with my maternity leave, my former CEO of the company, he called me and said, hey, we are trying to build a case with FALC. We're actually going to do a startup within FALC where we're going to try to penetrate the Scandinavian insurance market and see if we can... Uh, if we can build up a new business with alarm sensor in Felk. And that was how I started my career in Felk, actually, where we were four people sitting in a field outside of Copenhagen, and we built the company from four to 400 people in four years. And we made a, a revenue from zero to half a billion Danish crowns in four years. So it was quite a... That's a decent yeah, uptick there in your... Yeah, it was. And those have been probably some of my most important learning years. Because when uh, my former CEO called me, I asked him, okay, how many people are in the HR department and how many people in the organization? He says, there's nobody. You're going to be the fourth member of this organization and you will do anything else but HR. So actually for four years, I was out in the business, which I think is the most important learning you can ever do working with HR is going out to the business, mm. have a customer responsibility, try to feel how it is when the customers call you when something is not working. That gives you a total different leverage uh, working in HR. Yeah, I was so, going to ask you what your thoughts were going into working into HR and how that changed over time. I've always worked with HR and I think I realized that now building good talks because I really truly believe in we need to have fun at work. It really has to be a fun place to go. It really needs to be somewhere that you strive, somewhere you grow, somewhere you build relationships because we spend more hours at work than we do with our families. That's why I always like to work with organizations. I always like to try to create a great culture, to educate leaders, to make sure that you have a great working environment so you're happy when you go home from work. So I think my work has always been revolved around building organizations where you like to be. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you made a good point there that the more balance and fun that you can mm -hmm. experience through your working time, that kind of carry on effect into your into your life will be yes. felt by everyone in your orbit. Yes. And that being said, I'm not all the softy. You know, I have had a commercial <laughs> responsibility. I really want to be in organizations that also perform. And I must say, I've never seen when there's not a match. When I started up in Falk, I had both the responsibility for the people and for the business. So I had the customer relation responsibility and I had the HR responsibility. And there was always a coalition. If people were not happy at work, they didn't perform as much, they didn't provide as good a service. You can see there's a direct correlation, right, between mm -hmm. employee, sure. employee well-being sure. and their productivity. Sure. 
Now tell me about talent development when you got into that game. What, what was that like? I didn't have a lot of uh, experience with it, like, how can I say it, research-wise. But when we built this startup in, in Felt, it's called Felt Global Assistance. We only had a small amount of uh, money. We always said, okay, we are four adults. And then we will have to hire a lot of students because even though we were working in a big company, we were only, you know, given a small am- amount of money to make this startup to see if it would work. So we were four adults, which we were joking with. And then we hired 10 students. Yeah. They mainly came from uh, CBS because at that time we needed a CBS competences. But we hired 10 extremely talented young student Mm. and what we did is we gave them responsibility you know accordingly to if you were 10 or 15 years into your career but what i learned was if you hire bright people and you give them a lot of responsibility and you give them total free ranges and empowerment they will succeed so my thought around talent management comes from experience i didn't know it when we started because it was we didn't have enough finance just to hire 20 more adults so we had to hire these young students and really believe in them. So what I saw was when you when you hire somebody with talent and you tell them they have talent and you let them work how they want to work, they perform amazingly and you create a fantastic work culture around that because when you're always recognizing and believing people, they do grow. You know, I've seen that in my own career that I was both given an incredible amount of responsibility and autonomy at a younger age to yes. lead. Um, and then now I, I carry that forward when I bring in, you know, young talents, like you were saying. And yeah. you, re- you really see, too, the passion, the drive and for sure. the ability to execute if you give them the tools. Yeah, for sure. So I think you really have to hire the right people. So you have to you have to spend a lot of time on recruiting the right people for the right for the right job. But once you have that, and we had a philosophy, okay, now we spend all this time recruiting you. We did a lot of uh, assessments, a lot of case-based assessments, you know, a real real-time uh, assessment recruiting. We did a lot. So we always told them, okay, we spend a lot of time recruiting you. We are for sure that you are the best 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 person to do this job so we know for sure you are our next superstar Mm. so that's how they came in and we really believe them and we really let them run with tasks that as i said you would normally have to have 10 or 15 years experience and they all strived and they all super performed and they were superstars pernila what do you think are some indicators for identifying these talents if there's some people that are part of the recruitment process listening right now what what what, in your experience were some signs either in the interview process or early on that oh wow this this is a talent writer first of all passion i have always recruited first of all passion because if you have passionate people there is a lot of stuff they can learn that being said, there's also, you have to make a, a match on the ability level. I mean, if you hire somebody to do huge analysis, you know, deep diving into data, they need to have the capabilities to match that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so I would say passion and a match on capability, and then you build the culture around them and they will become your superstars. And do you have any kind of tips in terms of being able to retain that talent? Did you see that they would be with you for a couple of years and then move on? Or were there any things you could do to really keep them? I think make sure you have a fun environment. Celebrate all your successes. Make sure that the, the team is having fun together. Set people free. Trust in them. Empower them. Recognize them. I think recognition is really also a key factor. Recognize people for all the good that they do. Excellent. Now, was this the kind of the impetus for the Falconeers program 
Is that what we're talking about here, the talent program? No, the talent program I started, it was called Falk Flyers, which was, uh, was, which was, we started in the Nordics as a pilot where we, uh, we took in talents and then we threw them out in the business around different business projects. The Falconeers is the graduate program. I also uh, helped starting up. Okay, and what was that for our audience? That was people just coming out of, out of university. So their first job you know, was the, being a graduate in FELC. Okay, so they were onboarded as a falconeer when yes, they exactly. started their studies. Okay, exactly. Interesting. So how long were you with this FELC Global Assistance Project and leading the HR there? Four years. So I started, you know, in the business when we hit year three and we just opened US, India and China. I started a people department to people and communication department in order to, we could live without HR for the first three years, but now we were 400 people in so many different countries. We knew we had to make a process around people and communication. Yeah. So I was there for about a year until I moved into the group in Felk. Okay, so you got into the group in Felk. And that's, you know, worldwide, isn't it? Around 40,000 employees? Yeah, for, yeah, I had the responsibility for leadership and talent development for 40,000 employees in 42 countries. So that was very interesting. So you also took on a very international profile then being represented yes. in different continents. Do you think your time abroad helped you to working with international? For sure. Co- Just knowing how it is to live and work and be with other cultures was a huge help. Huge help. I mean, I've been recruiting people in Beijing. If you are not used to moving in different cultures and only been in your own country, I think you could easily do things that would not be beneficial. So for sure. What do you think if you were going to talk to an HR person or head of talent who's a Dane listening and they're a little bit nervous about working with these international markets, what would you say as an advice? Not just go, just be a human, just go. Just know that, you know, deep down humans are the same, but have respect for the different cultures. Just go and do it. It's fantastic. It's so interesting. I like that. Just be human. You know, speak to our, the global humanity. (laughs) Yeah, just be human. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to spin on back then. We talked about in the beginning that you made a very interesting decision to leave this very successful corporate position and start your own company. Walk us through that process and let's dive into Good Talks. Yeah, I had a stopover between uh, Falk and doing Good Talks because when I was at, not to sound too snobbish, but when you are that high up in an organization, which I was, I had made the framework for the, both for the telemanagement program and the graduate program. And when you are that high up in an organization, you become very distant from your customers. Mm. And actually what I liked when we were building up global assistance was that I had this customer responsibility. I really like to know what's actually going on in the markets and being close to the customers. That was less possible at my my last position in Felt. So I actually had a stopover because I saw a union of private hospitals in Denmark called Elias Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And they actually had a position where the whole customer journey was the responsibility of HR. So that was combined again. So I jumped out of that there. I was stayed there for a year and I was already starting my thoughts around Good Talks. So after being there for a little while, I jumped out and started Good Talks. For our audience, uh, I can see on your website that Good Talks is a female empowering network. Yes, that's definitely our mission. But men are more than welcome. Let me just underline that. Men are welcomed. We are working. We are working on the vision of getting more women into top management and boardrooms, and to maybe enlighten you why I want to do that. While I was working in these corporates, I was so fortunate to always have 
some uh, women next to me supporting me, lifting me, helping me, stepping up and stepping in. And what I did notice as we talked previously about balance that there is in many organizations in uh, Denmark, there's an imbalance. I think Gallup made a survey saying that only 13% of the Danish workforce are highly engaged. I think that's uh, sad. I think that has a lot of uh, complications, but also that leaves us with, you know, 87% potential. So what if we are Mm. more engaged at work? What could happen? And when I look at the big corporations and where I definitely see an imbalance is when there's not enough women in boardrooms and in top management. We are equally working in Denmark, men and women, but when it comes to top levels, we are really, really far behind. So I thought, okay, how can we, inspired from my own career, always having some women lifting me, I thought, okay, what if we put all the women together that know that to step up and step in can actually make a difference? And if we lift each other, then what could happen? So I was like bubbling on this idea for a while. And then I spoke to my daughter back then who was uh, 13. And she said, well, you know, mama, if you want to do something where women help women, do you know there's this uh, hotline for kids where kids are helping kids? Why Mm. don't you make a hotline for women where they can help each other when they need help? And I thought that was such a great idea. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and I knew I had 43 women in my network who, who believe the same as I believe, that we can help each other and lift each other. So I thought, okay, how about I make this plan and everybody has this hotline for women in turns, how, what could happen? But then, you know, 10 minutes after I thought, oh my God, to deal with this planning of who is the, having the hotline when and how, I thought that would be difficult. Yeah, because so, cross process management. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So I thought, okay, even though I'm a total digital dinosaur, I, I was thinking we we must be able to do something on the platform. So I took a leap of faith and I jumped out of my corporate career and I spent a little under a year building a platform, trying to figure out what to do and how this could work. And about two years ago, a little over two years ago, I took in these 43 women and I made a pre-launch of Good Talks and I asked everybody to step up and step in. I said, okay, we need to do something about this imbalance. Lots of people have been doing great things on diversity and inclusion, but we really, really need to help each other to do something about this imbalance. So a little over two years ago, I pitched the idea to these 43 women in my network, and now we are more than two and a half thousand members on this platform. Wow, well done. Yeah. Thank you. Well done to everybody who believes in this and are using their own free time and, you know, helping. So that's really great. So you've created this platform where it's a member-based community? Yes, it's a member-based and subscription-based community. So what you do is that when you sign up, you put in all the normal information you always do when you join something. But we have one field very specifically which says I will help you with. And then people write whatever it is they want to help other people with. And in this field, you know, people are writing anything from I can support you in your marketing strategy. I can help you, you know, returning as an expat. I can uh, explain to you what's a Bitcoin or, you know, all these different things. These two and a half thousand members are now just helping each other with. And now that we are so many, it's becoming very searchable. So as an example, right now I'm implementing a new CRMC system in our company Mm -hmm. and i can go in now on our own platform and i can search on crm systems and there are 28 members showing up that will help you you know with crm systems which means they will not sit down and do it for you but it means i can call them i can write them and they can help me and they can give me advice on where i am on my project and are these uh, women they're all in different companies and sectors or 
totally different companies, different sectors. One thing that are, they're similar, they all, uh, most of them have a candidate, a master's degree. Most of them are in corporate. They're either, you know, want to work on, you know, talent, they want to work with the leadership or deep project management, or they are leaders. The average age is 42.3. So people are somewhere in their career. Okay. So it seems like the difference between your network and a traditional network is really this focus on giving, on what, yes. how, how can you give, For sure. which is really interesting. You know, I've, I've interviewed Jesper Leventel. I don't know if you know him, but he runs the Debco network for Danes Abroad. And he talks about that it's all about giving. I can hear that you're reinforcing that. That's For sure. For sure. The people that are on the Good Talks platform are also on LinkedIn. I think the big difference is, you know, I can search the same people on LinkedIn. I can see all their credentials. I can see everything they've done. I have no idea if they want to help me and I have no idea what they want to help me with. Because me signing up on the platform on my profile, it doesn't say I will help you with an HR strategy because that's something I used to make money on. You can totally for yourself define what it is you want to help other people with. You know, you might not want to help people with something that that's your living, you know, your daily life and how you right. live, but there could be other things. So the big difference is when I find somebody on LinkedIn, you know, I might be a little embarrassed to ask. I know a lot of us have a hard time asking for help. So that's one barrier. I don't know what they want to help with or if they want to help at all. At Good Talks, we are trying to remove the barrier of asking for help because you know that everybody on the platform, they really want to help. So it's easy to ask for help. And then you can exactly see what it is people want to help with because it's so searchable now with with two and a half thousand members now is that go back to the vulnerability you mentioned in the beginning that it's actually vulnerable to ask for help yes it is and we should be much better at it because if we don't we are also you know depriving the person we are helping from the gift of helping because what i experienced in the beginning when i made this platform i thought oh my god i'm gonna have so many people calling me saying oh i'm being hunted every day and i don't have enough time to help all these people i was a little right. afraid of that but it's actually the other way around when i have people calling me they're complaining that not enough people are asking them to help because there's just such a enjoyment of helping people so really, we have to start asking for help more because people really want to give. It's such a different frame of mind. You know, we talk to a lot of people who work in HR and they're bombarded by males all the time of trying to get in the door and sell something, mm -hmm. right? And, yes. you know, just to be able to know that what we're talking about here is actually just building up a reservoir of goodwill. Must it is be exactly liberating goodwill. In a way. That's exactly what it is. You know, it's Facebook for compassionate people. Mm, that's a really interesting way of putting it. Now tell me about other specific events that are tied to this. Are these keynote events that are kind of dovetail with the program or? Yes. The one thing about Good Talks is the platform I already described. The other thing I really wanted to work with was I wanted to put different role models on the stage. Throughout my corporate career, I'm always seeking inspiration and, you know, looking to see what other people are doing. So I've often been at different keynotes. You know, they're telling their story. They're telling how... You know, I became a CEO and now I'm in this position. I'm making that money and all these, you know, big things they're always talking about. And often when I've gone home from one of these keynotes, I was always thinking, oh, my God, when are they going to pull my scam? When are they going to really find out that I'm not good enough because I can totally not live up to this person I just heard? Yeah, it's that kind so, of uh, that imposter syndrome that you worry I, about. I totally, I am totally suffering from imposter syndrome. I will admit to that any day, working on it, <laughs> but I will admit to that any day. <laughs> and a lot of us are, really a lot of us are, surprisingly a lot of us are. So I wanted to put 
other people on the stage, still role models, still super cool people, but people who had the courage to tell their unglossy story. People who had the courage to share that, yes, sometimes when they walk alone into that boardroom, they are scared. Or people who would share when they were going through hard times and so forth. Because I don't believe in victims. I don't see that as victimizing. But I see it as very inspiring also to just meet other humans who are vulnerable and going through the same things as we all are. Because I know we all are. Yeah, it's inspiring when people actually open up, you know, you cut through all the BS of, you know, the normal day-to-day and it actually... Yes. And I think we have a very, very, very bad tendency in Denmark, and I was so proud of it, of, you know, going to work with our armor, that being a light blue shirt or that being a skirt and stilettos or whatever it is. And I was so proud of it. You know, you walk into work in this armor where we meet each other with our titles and not as people. So I really wanted to put some some new role models on stage. And I think that has been so interesting doing that because sometimes we would have 300, 400 people in a room and maybe half of them, maybe 200 of these people in the room would have tears streaming down their cheeks when somebody's on stage sharing their vulnerable story. And not because they feel sorry for them, but what I experience is it's such a relief in the room yeah. when somebody else is sharing their unglossy story that you're sitting there listening and saying, oh my God, I'm not alone. I am not alone. Of you know, with being afraid sometimes at work or lonely or whatever it is. And I don't want this to sound like a sobby story or we are feeling sorry for these people. Not at all. It's just realizing that a lot of us have these fears going to work. Absolutely. You know, I think a couple of points there. One is that solidarity, you know, when people are expressing emotion in the audience, you know, that that common human journey of, yeah, I'm not alone and how much that means. I think so many times, so many people go through their whole work life with that character armor yes. up and just feeling that they can't be themselves or there's a social cost to pay by yeah. exposing that vulnerability. So happy to hear that you're systematically working on going directly to this issue. Uh, we're really trying to do that because the more people I know, the more I talk about this, the more events we have, uh, the more I know that I'm right, that we are really all uh, feeling the same. And I think in order to create fantastic work environments, we really have to meet more humans, really. Yes, yes. And I think what you're talking about, too, you know, we hear all the time in, you know, in the diversity and inclusion space and, you know, just in the society, OK, we need to get our numbers up. We need to get a more uh, gender diverse or culturally mm-hmm. diverse organization because the data shows that it leads to this X amount of profitability. And that's true. Yes. But what you're talking about, that's compositional and that's a check mark, you know, a KPI. What you're talking about is actually getting to kind of the psychological foundation of empowerment, Yeah. which I think is a step further than just hitting off a checkbox. Yeah, you're probably right. So what's the future of Good Talks? You guys are up to 2,500 members already. Where do you want to see this go? And how actually, can anybody help <laughs> Yeah, when I have like really, (laughs) when I have really, really crazy entrepreneurial thoughts, and these are like uh, close close to being psychopathic, you know, (laughs) that's how that's how crazy they are. Yeah, you have to be a little bit to be (laughs) an entrepreneur. You have to. If not, you would not get up every morning and work the way you work uh, starting up. Okay, so here we go. If I want to be really, really crazy, I want it to be the new Facebook. I want it to be the new Facebook of compassionate people. Because one thing is that we're working on gender right now, because I think there's an imbalance in, in Denmark that we can help with creating more gender balance. You know, to me, I would love to make a Facebook for everybody in the world who believes in stepping up and stepping in and just helping each other you know in a big perspective i think that could really make the world a better place 
Yes, the right type of algorithm and not just this equation that leads to, you know, division. So going more from so me to so you, that's actually what I would love to create. Oh, wow. I like that. Uh, Yeah. And that might uh, not be in my lifetime, but at least I would like somebody to work with it that way, to take it, you know, that was like the psychopathic way of thinking (laughs) where this is going, to take it a little nudge back. I mean, for sure, the next step is us going global because we have been focusing on the B2C market. Everything has been in good talks have been built up by private people signing up, joining our membership. But what we're doing now is we're working a lot with corporates who wants to give a membership to their employees. A lot of these corporates are global. So for sure, our next next step is to go uh, to go global and make the platform in english it makes sense it's a it's certainly a value add you know if you're hiring a female talent you say hey look you can access this uh, fantastic network it can't hurt yes that is a very exciting pranilla and you know i guess as a man who's not a woman um mm-hmm. you said that you want to include kind of men as For know, sure. amb- ambassadors to this core or- no equals we are working on this vision of putting more women into boardrooms and uh, top management anybody who agrees that that's a good vision are welcome we have men on the platform i've had several male keynotes and what i've experienced i just had a very very interesting conversation with a super important ceo last week and he is also as for this space he is mm. saying okay i mean it's it's not something just for you us men really also need a vulnerable place i want to change how we lead and to me you know doing what i'm doing now i'm really also trying to talk new leadership paradigm which i really think is evolving a lot around authenticity being unglossy and you know daring to be vulnerable i mean yes you have an American uh, scientist, Brene Brown, which I'm very inspired yep. by. And I can see the movement, you know, moving. So I think this is a space for anybody because in order to be part of Good Talks, you also sign up your whole behavior being unglossy. And what we're starting now after the summer break is we're starting digital network groups around different topics. Because I think for myself, I would love to be in a small digital network group around, I don't know, um, entrepreneurship. And then imagine that being global. If I could sit and work with somebody who's working on uh, SDG 5 yep. on a digital platform with somebody from Tokyo, somebody from San Fran, somebody from Holland or wherever. We are launching these small digital groups after the summer holiday and uh, everybody is more than welcome. How oh, exciting. We'll, um, we'll be following that closely. To see how it develops. This sounds like a very exciting project, Pernilla. Yeah, thank you. I think this would be a great time to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to come back with the quick fire round to wrap up the podcast today. Studying for an executive MBA at Henley Business School in Denmark is an intense and rewarding experience. If you want to achieve the best possible outcomes in business and in life, Henley can give you the skills and knowledge you need through the Henley MBA. For more information, visit henley.dk. And we are back with today's special guest, Ms. Pernille Sandberg-Beck. And Pernille, we're going to dive into our quickfire round now with the first question. I want to ask you, what habits, routines, or rituals do you do every day to stay mentally or physically sharp? (laughs) You really want to know? (laughs) I have this really, really weird ritual, but although I would really recommend it. Every day when when I get out of the shower... I put on this cotton rope, so I'm still a little damp, and then I go back to bed. And then I go under my uh, my covers, and it gives you this bit of a spa feeling. And while I lay there for 20 minutes, I do a bit of a meditation. I know it sounds really weird, 
but I really recommend you doing it. And not so long ago, I actually heard Ole Henriksen, you know, the cream king of Denmark. He mm-hmm. actually recommends that you do just what I do. And I've been doing it for 20 years. My kids do it. Everybody in the family does it. So I can recommend that. It is super relaxing. And if you can combine it with some meditation, it's a great way to start your day. That does sound like uh, something that needs to be tried. Yes, you have to. And by the way, we only work four days a week in Good Talks. So every Monday is, I call it my Monday, and I try to do something good for myself. I like that too. I like mm. that too. Excellent. And you can you can dovetail that too with doing the Wim Hof method in the shower, just a freezing cold shower to... Uh... Yeah, I'm not into the cold water. No, nope, but I've heard about it. <laughs> Aren't you a Dane? Don't you go winter? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I don't think I'm really Danish, but uh, yeah, I've heard the other people are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Panita, have you ever undergone any one event or experience that you would credit with a leap forward in your performance or in the person you've become? I think, actually, not to sound selfish, but some of these events that we've had at Good Talks have really surprised me myself. Big role models being super honest about their own inner fears has really given me a lot of courage. As an example, uh, Tommy Atlas, one of our ministers, he got on our stage and he said, every Tuesday before I need to go into the the parliament, I don't sleep uh, most of the night because I'm trying to read six, 700 pages of Danish law just to be ready to answer any sort of questions that will hit me. To have somebody like that, that I Mm -hmm. admire and I think has a fantastic, important position in Denmark, to have somebody like that being honest and open has really moved me and the, all the people on our states that are honest and unglossy and vulnerable, they move me a little uh, piece every time. They really give me courage. So I think this range of unglossy speakers at our events uh, really moved me. When we talk about the future of leadership, a lot of times we're talking about really emotionally intelligent leaders. Part of emotional intelligence is understanding what traits need to be self-regulated. Do you have any personality traits that you really try to regulate to be the best version of yourself? I am a very emotional person, which is good in many times, but it can also be uh, too much. So I try to think sometimes before I speak, because I know not everybody are as emotional as I am. If you were invited to a dinner party and you can invite two people from history that are either alive or dead now, who would you invite and why? Oprah and Brené Brown. Oprah and Brené Brown, okay. Yeah. I think that could be a great dinner party because I think that they're really representing our new way of being in the world. Maybe Eckhart Tolle as well. Can I invite three? What a conversation we, we can have. we can make it we can make a dispensation. Yeah. <laughs> because right now I'm I'm reading Eckhart Tolle and I'm trying to understand his his uh, thoughts and it's really resonating with me and I'm trying to incorporate some of the things that he's talking about. I don't know if probably not everybody knows who Eckhart Tolle is, but the way how he talks about ego. Uh, yeah, those three would be amazing. Have you ever met Oprah or Brene Brown? Unfortunately, but they are on my biggest wish list of having them speak on a Good Talks event someday. That would be that would be my biggest accomplishment if I could get them to speak at a Good Talks event. I grew up with Oprah, I would say. During my youth, I was always watching her shows because I, I think that she was showing early signs of vulnerability uh, mm-hmm. herself with her guests. And then what I really admire about Oprah is she got a whole nation to read books. I think she was part of yep. getting America to read books. And I think that was very inspirational. Absolutely. On both points. Pernita, what was the best piece of business or life advice you have ever received? 
That is to um, acknowledge people, you know, make it, making people grow. I think that's very important. And then I had another guy once asking me, so in your business, what good do you do in the world? That really resonated with me that while doing business, then do something good in the world at the same time, because then that will always be a motivation. Excellent. Do you have a quote, value or principle that you live by in order to help you make difficult decisions? I think I, I used to go by what doesn't kill you and makes you stronger. But I don't know, I might be moving away from that because that's also sort of creating an armor. You know, I can do this, doesn't matter, you know. So I think, I don't have a quote, but I think I'm moving into more of the, something softer, you yeah. know, something more vulnerable. I don't have a quote. Okay, that you don't have to say that, you know, I've got this no matter what, but actually show that more vulnerability that you yeah. can be you can be yes. wounded. yes. Did you have a teacher, a mentor growing up or in school that had an influence on your life? I think more I had one in my in my corporate life that mm-hmm. uh, made an impact. That was actually this guy that said, so what good do you do in the world? And he says many smart things and I'm lucky sometimes I get to call him and ask him questions. My kids are my mentors. I know it sounds very cliche, but I have a daughter who is so right about so many things and much more right than I am and much more evolved than I am. Actually, I ask them. What book or books have you most gifted or been most influenced by? As I said, I'm reading a lot of uh, of Eckhart Tolle to try to understand uh, his thoughts. I think they're difficult to understand, but I'm reading it and I'm trying to listen to it. I'm reading Brene Brown and also our Danish guy, uh, Rasmus Hogaard, who's also talking a lot about to lead is to be human. So a lot of these new ways of leading, new ways of being, I'm reading. Maybe it's also my age. You know, I hear many women at my age that suddenly searching for a new way of being in the world. Well, I am mindful of our time, and Mm -hmm. I want to wrap up the podcast today with one final question. Mm -hmm. That is, what do you think your work can teach Denmark? What do you think Denmark can teach the rest of the world? I hope that some of my work will teach Denmark that giving is important, being unglossy in the world is important. It's easy to be a graduate and knock on the door of the CEO and say, hey, I have an idea. I think that's that's quite easy. I've done that many times when I was a a youngster in these corporations. I think it's possible to get to speak to to the top CEO. That we are quite flat. Yeah, it really is unique when you go into other cultural hierarchies, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Well, Pernilla, before we go, is there anything else you would like to promote or tell our audience where they can find you? You can easily find me on LinkedIn if there's anything you would like to talk to me about. And of course, I would love for everybody to join Good Talks. I think the more people we are, the faster we can make it easier to be in corporate, the faster we can release our corporate armor, the faster we can make great work environments and talk about leadership and work culture in a different way. So please, if you want to join, please, please come. And is it Good Talks? DK or what, yes. what is good? it's good talks DK I'm trying to buy the dot com from a yoga teacher in New Zealand so wish me luck <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually talking to her right now are, are you listening right now you need <laughs> please to- give it to me I will, I will even pay you <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well keep us keep us updated on the dot com battle <laughs> yes I will I will but Pernilla it's been an absolute pleasure and hopefully to be continued thank you so much for having me it's been really great thank you so much pleasure is ours and to our audience don't forget to jump over to iTunes Spotify Google Play Stitcher Radio wherever you get your podcast. please subscribe rate, review it really makes a difference guys and until next time 
See you on the GDP. Are you getting the most out of your time in Denmark? Pick up the printed copy of the English language newspaper Copenhagen Post today to access relevant news and event information guaranteed to enhance your working and family life.